James Blatchley, welcome to All Classical Portland. Uh, so pleased to have this opportunity to talk to you today about a new recording of a work by a composer who, in this day and age, is finally getting, I would say, more and more deserved recognition, and that is Dame Ethel Smythe. Welcome. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be with you. Yes, thank you, James. There are a number of reasons, I think, I'm just expressing an opinion here, why Dame Ethel Smythe's music is so relevant. One is, before Black Lives Matter and before the pandemic, there was a lot of focus on the Me Too movement and on how there are so few women conductors, although we are actually seeing more and more all the time, and creating more equality in music, uh, in classical music in particular. And then layering onto that, that Dame Ethel Smythe herself was a suffragette, and she was so involved in the women's movement for voting. Uh, there's, there's all of these elements that in some ways in our culture today, we are re-experiencing, aren't we? We are. Um, and yeah, we're certainly not there yet with equality. Uh, th that is, strides have been made. Um, there are, I have wonderful peers uh, uh, in the conducting field. And I've studied with Marin Alsop, who has uh, done so much for the field to, um, to, to bring uh, great female conductors to the to the podium and advocate for them and in her career has really been historic and, and crucially important uh, in our field that said you know it's still not equal but uh, we've made some progress uh, in the field of uh, classical music in general obviously the blind auditions of the 70s and you know most orchestras are now fairly evenly um, represented but not 100 percent still a lot of progress but when we talk about composers uh, it's really only recently that the focus has been on you know, making sure that opportunities are given uh, in, an, in an equal or representative or, uh, you know, in any appropriate way. Um, and the field has benefited greatly from uh, just getting to hear the music of, of these fantastic colleagues. And, uh, you know, a great friend of mine, Jesse Montgomery, is getting a tremendous amount of, of press and performances, and she and I grew up together. And it, I've always known she's extraordinary, but now the world is celebrating her in so many ways, you know, and and so many other composers are getting opportunities uh, whose music is just stunning, Anna Klein. And I mean, there's so many examples. Uh, but historically, there aren't as many female composers to to look to and celebrate. And Demethel Smythe is, is perhaps the most prominent. Um, she was the first woman to have an opera at the Met in 1903. And as you may know, the, the second was not until 2016. Um, with Kaya Sariajos, La Morte de Loin. And I mean, that's crazy to consider. And why on earth has it taken that long? But now there are several commissions that the Met is undertaking. So we can say, you know, there are some current efforts to, uh, to make sure that commissions are going to, to women. Um, and of course, not because they're women, but because they're great composers. Uh, that said, uh, historically, you know, who else do we have to look to? And, and, and Smythe has this unbelievable life history uh, and wealth of, um, of music to program. And so I think we're looking to her because people are realizing, finally, uh, the value of her music. Um, and I'm, I'm very hopeful that this 
piece in this recording will um, really speak for her uh, in its in a different way. Her her music is all wonderful, but this piece is special, and it says uh, it it reveals a part of her um, uh, of her music and her her expression that I find unique in her output. Let's talk about that expression in this piece, which is called the prison. And would you would you characterize it because it has a soprano, a bass baritone, a chorus, and an orchestra, somewhat in the tradition, shall we say, of the Mahler, the late Mahler symphonies that he didn't want to call symphonies? Um, would it be more akin to that in terms of being called a symphony than to give it a different label, like oratorio, for example? It's such a great question because it's very hard to to find the right term uh, to describe this, and Smythe herself uh, referred to that. She calls it a symphony, but not as a capital S symphony. Um, but it is also, I guess, I don't know if it's too easy an answer or the right answer, but I I, I just say it it exists on its own terms, and it's not like anything else I've encountered. I'm speaking with James Blatchley, conductor of the Experiential Orchestra and the conductor of this world premiere recording, the 1930 masterwork The Prison by Dame Ethel Smythe. And we haven't actually talked quite yet about the piece itself. I mean, getting digging into the piece itself, James. Let's do that for a few minutes. Just kind of basically um, uh, sketch out the inspiration for the prison began, I understand, as a trip to Greece and that she was reading different books, but that included uh, the writings of her good friend Brewster. This piece has so many different uh, inspirations and layers to it, and that trip to Greece is, is key. Also, the fact that Brewster was one of her closest creative companion, uh, collaborators and closest friends, um, perhaps soulmate, uh, someone with whom she shared a thousand letters. Uh, if you read some of those, it's, it's uh, really a remarkable depth of relationship that they shared. Um, and that he is the one who introduced much of Greek philosophy to Smythe uh, in the first place. And then there's this work of his called The Prison from 1891, um, which she then republishes in 1930. Um, and brings back and and her piece she explicitly says that this symphony which is set to brewster's texts is uh in part 
an effort to make sure that his philosophy is understood and appreciated by the world at large, knowing that in its original form, it would fall into obscurity, which it did. And the idea of prison is something that was a very real experience for Ethel Smythe herself. Uh, when she was in the suffrage movement in 1912, she herself uh, had been arrested and served two months in prison. Yeah, she she knew what, what that was like. Yeah, it's uh, she was an activist, a suffragette, and went to jail for throwing a stone through an MP's window. And from what I understand it, they chose that MP because he uh, said if, if the suffragettes were be- better looking, they would be more successful. And she decided that that was the MP to honor with a, a stone through the window. Well, that seems like, that seems very fitting. <laughs> it does. <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, when I first saw the subject matter, you know, she writes a symphony called The Prison, and I knew about her suffrage movement. I was expecting something that was actually more, I don't know, more fact-based or direct, but it actually, it's more, it's philosophical is what it is, because the prisoner, who in your recording is being sung by the phenomenal Deshaun Burton, bass baritone, has a, uh, has a dialogue with his soul, and that's sung by uh, soprano uh, Sarah Braley, um, which makes it, um, I don't know, just just very, very personal and, and like very intimate. And yet it's done on this grand scale of the 65-minute two-part work. So there's kind of this contrast between the very small and the intimate and the large scale. Yeah, it's really striking. Um, it, it is it's so personal. And I, I do feel that this piece is, in my understanding of her music, in my view, the most personal vulnerable music she ever wrote. I mean, her music is always so beautiful and always her own. But here she goes somewhere unique. Here she goes somewhere. It's a whole other level. And I I, I hate to make comparisons, but, you know, Beethoven's late quartets are, I like to think of that, you're going to outer space, the realm of, you know, human uh, uh, expression. I mean, it just goes way out there. And this is akin to that in her career. This piece goes somewhere farther and and more intimate, more personal. Um, it, it's it's bold because it's vulnerable. It's strong because it's personal. Um, and uh, I, I agree with you. It's it's a bit you know what what do you, <laughs> how do you describe you know the first impression or what do you expect before you hear it and. Um, I've tried to do that for years now, and now I, I don't have to try and describe her music. People can just listen to it, this piece. shed more and more light on Ethel Smythe's true legacy, not, not so much her place in, in music, which, is, which hopefully will get better, but on the quality 
of of all of her music, which so far everything I've heard is is just that. It's it's a, of the highest quality. It just isn't known, right, James? That's it. Yeah, and and it's it's less um, expressed now, but I'd say there's still a, a sense in the musical world that you know she she's a second tier composer or that this isn't the work of, uh, you know, she's not on the same level as the, the great composers. And that's, it's less overtly stated, but I'd say that's still the general impression. And, and uh, I'd say that's because we haven't performed her enough and we haven't performed her in a way that allows her music to uh, speak for itself and to resonate with us. I, I have, I'm a firm believer now. And uh, what I realized later uh, after falling in love with her music was that I was by far not the first. Of course, there are great interpreters uh, who I joined the company of uh, who live today, you know, Odalinda de la Martinez and Leanne Botstein and Mark Shapiro. Those are the, the three main advocates we have. Um, although Sakaria Amaro uh, conducted a great performance of Mass in D and, and several others have conducted her work now. But uh, historically, Sir Thomas Beecham, Bruno Falter was, was a real advocate, Sir Adrian Bolt, and uh, Mahler himself was said to uh, uh, be planning to perform uh, the records before he uh, moved to the U.S. Uh, so uh, just to say, we're in very good company. If you find yourself falling in love with Demethel Smythe's music, uh, you will not be the first, and uh, my hope is that it will. Uh, she will be taught uh, in you know first-year conservatory courses, in the same breath as Brahms and Tchaikovsky and Dvorak and Grieg, who all were admirers of her. I think that's a good, good, final word to have on that. So, James Blatchley, thank you so much for your time today to talk about the world premiere recording that you had a great hand in helping to create, of. Ethel Smythe's only symphony, The Prison. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure to speak with you and to hear your thoughts on this piece and to know that this music has reached your ears and now the ears of your listeners is a, a great pleasure for me. <laughs>